You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number one hundred and sixty-eight. We're discussing the Far From Home trailer number two and the future of the MCU. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy, and I'm Sanjay. We are cooling off here, boys. Yeah, from the epicness that has been Avengers Endgame. I got my second viewing in. Whoa, this whoa, whoa, movie. Whoa. You've seen it twice? I have seen it twice. Twice without me? Twice without you. <laughs> Not as active as a crowd as the first go around, but equally awesome viewing experience. I'm a little bit hurt. I'm sorry, dude. Like, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. Like, let's just air out our dirty laundry. Like, sorry, Troy. Like, we're going to have, good. we're going to hash it out here. Here's the thing. I'll see it third time with you. Um, well, we still got to see Shazam together. This is true. We will get there. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in for another episode of The Nerd Room. We've got a lot of MCU discussion to have this week. We are coming off the back end of our Avengers Endgame review, so if you've not checked that out, make sure to take a pause, head back, check out that episode. We had a ton of fun breaking down that film. What a ride it has been in the MCU, culminating in that epic film. Like, I'm still having a difficult time comprehending everything that we discussed last week. But, go forward. Marvel does not waste any time getting the next film on the tip of your tongue. We get this amazing Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, which basically picks up where Endgame left off. So, talk about your marketing ploys. Talk about just hitting and striking while the iron's hot. So, we're going to talk all about this trailer. And it's really its implications for the MCU. You know, the future of the MCU is a little bit unknown. This is the first time that we don't have a clear picture as to what the MCU looks like. Yeah, we have an idea, but we're going to spend some time this week speculating as to what that could be, what that could look like. There's hints, there's, there's, there's teasers out there about a multiverse. We talked about it last week. There's some big changes coming to the MCU. We're spoilers i guess i won't say it now but things are different in the mcu and we're going to try to touch on some of that and just really speculate what's going to happen next they always keep us on our toes we're never going to get it right but it's a lot of fun to discuss no we're going to get 100 yeah. percent right let's 100%. just lay down the gauntlet lay down the infinity gauntlet we there got this go. there you go all right but before we get into any of that guys we got to start this off on a, a slightly down note a somber note here one of the star wars greats did pass away this past week on april 30th we lost one peter mayhew you know best known for playing chewbacca he died at the age of 74 the seven foot three man best known for his work in the original trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the mm -hmm. Jedi, Star Wars, Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, as well as Star Wars The Force Awakens. And then he took a role of that Chewbacca consultant as they move through and trans transition that role off to Jonas. 
guys, this is another big one. You know, Carrie Fisher last year, Peter Mayhew yeah. this year. It's really putting into perspective that these original trilogy actors are getting up in age and losing another one here. This is a guy that did a lot of con circuits. He has shown up here in Calgary in the That's past. That's right, yeah. I have seen him. I never got to shake his hand or got his autograph. But, you know, this, this one, again, another real kind of down note for star wars you know he did some great stuff he's really active on twitter he really embodied that character so yeah very sad stuff so our condolences to the mayhew family for their loss but guys any any thoughts on uh, peter mayhew on chewbacca here man how iconic man this is this is part of the big well more than the big three i guess you have the big four going out and uh it's unfortunate it's sad, um, but he, man, he's done so much for that community. He's, you know, when I think of Peter Mayhew, I think of uh, Anthony Daniels. You know, yes. I, feel, mm-hmm. I feel like there's such like chairman of, of the Star Wars community and fan base. And what a big presence that guy had on the screen and off the screen. Because like you mentioned, you know, he did like some consulting work with the last, uh, well, Force Awakens. I know he's and in and out of Force Awakens, last but Jedi. Solo and Last Jedi. And uh, man, RIP. And uh, in the words of Maz, love that Wookiee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, before I even watched Star Wars, I knew who Chewbacca was, mm-hmm. yeah. one of the most iconic characters in cinema history, and just seemed like a real cool guy. And yeah. you know, it's sad. Uh, it's sad, you know, as you mentioned, the OG trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. the last one ended in 1980, I think. 83. 83. Yeah. So I mean, you think about it, that's like what 36 years, 37 years. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, fortunately, these actors getting up there in age. So hopefully we as a fandom can appreciate these actors while they're still here. Yeah. You know, um, Mark Hamill, um, Harrison Ford. I was going to say George Harrison, but I yeah. remember that's the Beatle. Uh, yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah. When you look at it too, you know, Kenny Baker passed away. Yeah. Carrie Fisher, now Peter Mayhew. It's, um, it's one thing that, you know, the, yeah, they are getting up there, but they are leaving quite a legacy. Absolutely. And I think like you said, Troy, is that Peter Mayhew being a champion of this universe of this this story of star wars um he leaves behind that and so like we said and you know on twitter and all that condolences to the family but you know i think he leaves this planet and leaves it in a better place yeah mm-hmm. um and so that's great so yeah r.i.p peter mayhew should should we do a uh chewbacca wookie howl in his honor <laughs> you know it's, it's pretty fun. good yeah, the thing about chewbacca too that that i absolutely love is that he is almost the entry character for the younger audience. Like Absolutely. that was one of the first characters that my daughter identified with mm-hmm. because he looks like a giant stuffed animal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so it's cool to have that. And he's always been the chill, relax, cult like it is type guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's always nice having him opposite Harrison Ford's Han Solo. It's it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. Do, do, sorry, do we know was he in episode three or was that all motion cap that one? No, that was him. That was him too, yeah. eh? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to see that. Yeah, picking up. He's he's been in all three generations of Star Wars oh, yeah. films. Oh, it's yeah. so good. good he him. did. Uh, he kind of did that literal torch pass in yeah. the Force Awakens, yeah. where he split the time. I think he did a lot yeah. of the sitting stuff. Yeah. And then it was passed off to to Jonas, who then picked up that mantle and ran with it in the Last Jedi, as cool. well as Solo, and then appearing here in the Rise of Skywalker. So yes. yeah. Yeah, difficult to transition off this stuff, but like Mm -hmm. I said, he leaves that legacy. Mm -hmm. Now, before we get into our week in nerd, guys, we got some Star Wars Commonwealth housekeeping to do. At the top, we just like to send our best wishes to the Tatooine Sons. They have chosen to leave the network, 
and are heading over to Making Stars MSW Podcast Network. We'd like to wish the boys all the best, and their contributions to the Star Wars Commonwealth have been great, but they're heading on to other pastures, and it's nice to see the evolution of podcasts and that, yes, it's cool, you can leave, but you know what? They're still family, and we appreciate everything they've done. We'll be tuning in. I'm still a patron of theirs, so all the best to the boys as we send them off over to MSW. Nice. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, you'll be missed, but uh, all the best, and uh, yeah, yes. keep up the good work. Yes, and on a slightly more positive note within the SWC, now something that we do here in the Commonwealth is we knight individuals. These knights, if you will, mm-hmm. are people that have contributed to the community, contributed to individual podcasts in an extraordinary way, interacting on Twitter, promoting the shows, sending in questions. And there's an individual here who we've been meaning to nominate for quite some time. Is it me? It is Sanjay. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is our dude, Daniel Thorpe. Daniel Thorpe, you are now officially a knight of the commonwealth he is at thorpey eight on twitter so make sure you follow him he has been in the trenches with us for the better part of a couple years active in the twitter gang promoting the swc and other podcasts contributing in a big way and in a positive way and that's what we want out of these knights of the commonwealth so daniel welcome to knighthood you listen here, brother, Daniel Thorpey. You're the greatest Hulkamaniac that I know. <laughs> this goes to a Hulk Hogan conversation. That's that right. Had. Yeah, <laughs> me, me and Thorpey. Tim was totally unaware of me and Thorpey were shooting the shit about some awesome wrestlers from like the 80s and 90s. He is, of course, the biggest Hulk Hogan fan that I know. And I'm like the hugest Bret Hart fan that I know. So we were going back and forth, a little bit of fun. And... Uh, mentioned some stuff about Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan himself, the man, the myth, the legend replied on Twitter to us. And it was a, it was a pretty surreal, cool experience. And, uh, all because of Thorpey and his love for Hulk Hogan. So, uh, Hulkamaniac over there. Yeah. Good guy. You know, hopefully he's, what, what is it? Uh, taking his vitamins, saying his prayers and, uh, hulking up. Yeah. Getting lots of sleep. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what it was, but, uh, hopefully you're doing all those things, Thorpey. And, uh, Hope you celebrate by watching a copy of No Holds Barred. There you go. Or Suburban <laughs> Commando. <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations, D, man. Welcome aboard. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's great, man. He's always live on the Twitter gang. We're always going back and forth there talking. And I know you guys love your wrestler talk, too. But um, oh, it's so cool, man. The Commonwealth grows. The yeah. Commonwealth grows by one. So you'll get all the benefits of being a knight of the Commonwealth, which is kept secret. Ooh. Yes. Even I don't know. So we will DM you all the details to come it's a lot of really cool stuff it's kind of like being a stone cutter <laughs> exactly right stone cutter very nice Simpson reference yeah <laughs> anyways guys with all that out of the way let's get into our weekend nerd we had a pretty epic weekend this is probably one of my favorite weekends of the year not only usually does an avengers film fall on this but maybe not last couple of years but it's usually a big marvel weekend but it's also may the 4th Star Wars Day, ah. as well as Free Comic Book Day. The first Saturday in May is always Free Comic Book Day at your local comic book shops, and all of these really culminate in a single day on Saturday. So what did you guys get up to this past weekend, with it being May the 4th, with it being Free Comic Book Day? Sanjay, uh, out in the hunt, what yeah. were you doing? Uh, unfortunately, no. I uh, DC puts out their book a little bit early, so for 25 cents, you can pick up their free comic book day. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I, I can spare the quarter. So I picked it up early, so I didn't have to make the trip to the comic book shop. 
Um, but my weekend, you know, I've been catching up. I read Heroes in Crisis, and let me tell you, that series is phenomenal. One of the best um, events I've read in a very long time. Very low-key story, very personal story about superheroes dealing with grease, uh, grief and uh, uh, stress and trauma, and it's very well done. So if you haven't picked that up, it's the DC Heroes in Crisis. And uh, yeah, I've been catching up on my Batman and their new uh, event, Deceased. Which is uh, pretty good. Um, you guys are shooting that in the DM group. With yeah, Star, right? the, the art wasn't quite for me in some of the panels. You know, it just it wasn't so much the art; it was just the style. Like this is an event where there's potential 600 million people being killed, and I was expecting like some epic art, but it just kind of felt more cartoonish, and I just didn't feel like the art matched the vibe of the book. Not to say the art was bad, but I just it just wasn't for me in this particular story and um didn't didn't deter from me enjoying it i'm still gonna pick up uh issue two and i'm still super stoked to see where this goes uh but check it out it's got some awesome um horror movie poster variants so like the first one is it with like joker and robin so some really cool stuff so check it out dc comics they got a lot of good stuff deceased correct yeah that's that's uh, get it because it's dc cool play yeah <laughs> yeah <universe>. it's mar ceased <laughs> <laughs> trauma dude what you get up to yes, this sir. weekend um yes i'm with you you know i read uh what do i go seven and eight on yeah. uh, heroes in crisis yeah I love what they're doing there. They've introduced, well, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but from the beginning of the issue, they've introduced this sanctuary aspect where heroes so go good. and, you know, kind of uh, uh, let off some steam, I guess, right? But I like what they've been doing there with that whole book. I like the mystery aspect, which is really cool. Um, I've caught up a little bit on Batman as well. And what else was I doing, man? You know what? May, May the 4th, I got to apologize. I know we're on a Star, Star, Star Wars Commonwealth podcast here. <laughs> network but you know what man i'm in this high of mcu movies yeah. and I, I i had to pop in my homecoming i just have to you know, <laughs> how many times have you movie, seen man. that movie man like you must be responsible for like 50 percent of all the plays of that movie for sure 100 percent, man <laughs> I, it doesn't doesn't leave my ps4 so i watched that movie and then i, I i'm on this thor kick so i watched ragnarok and i loved ragnarok the first time but going yeah. back to it i'm like man it's good this so good i think that's like the best Thor movie for sure. That's the best Thor has ever been. Wow. Um, but then I had to, you know, make my way back to Star Wars. So on Revenge of the Fifth, so the next day I watched Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, you so. did. Uh, another <laughs> one of your favorites. Yeah, man. So I like you have like back. three movies in rotation. Then you only yeah. watch like Homecoming, Revenge yeah. of the Sith, Infinity, yeah. Infinity War. <laughs> oh, you guys know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll throw in the occasional Spider-Man on PS4 to play. Yeah, man. I gotta make time for my Sunday Game of Thrones nights and. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm waiting on a, a Gambit X-Men Legends, Marvel X-Men Legends. That's what I'm waiting for. So I ordered the pre-order. It should be coming any minute now. And um, that's about it for, like, collecting-wise. Nice. Um, I did pick up some comic books, actually. Sorry, for the free comic book day, my wife, shout out to my wife. Uh, she's awesome. She picked me up that Avengers free comic book day, yeah. which is pretty cool. And then there was that um, Spider-Man tie-in with that Venom and Carnage yeah. su- series going on with uh, Donnie, Donnie Yates. Yeah, Donnie Yates. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested, man. But um, that's about it. That's about nice. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, I had an interesting May the 4th. This is always the day that I like to take my daughter out and we do something silly. We go wait in line at the Disney store. Yeah. So this Disney store is inside of a mall. So we showed up about an hour before opening. It's really hard to distract a four-year-old for oh, yeah. an hour 
in front of a Disney store. <laughs> Hats <laughs> we off just you. How in? do you do that? that? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I had some taxes there from from some lessons from previous years and that, but I got in line for the exclusive limited edition pin as well as the lithographic 20th anniversary Phantom Menace poster. Mm-hmm. Both I thought were free, but it turns out the pin was $18. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was a one, so they only had 10 per Disney store. Ooh. And there were 10 of us in line. I was the sixth person in line. And I wasn't going to not buy it. So it's a really cool Boba Fett, Return of the Jedi style, May the 4th, Be With You 2019 pin. Cool, cool. And the poster's great. It's a nice Phantom Menace raised lithograph poster. Great. It's going to go awesome with, I'm building, slowly building a Phantom Menace sort of, I got these little boxes that I put kind Mm -hmm. of themes in. And Phantom Menace is really nicely building out here with the 20th anniversary. So that was really great. I was also at the Disney store and I'm looking in, peering in as we were waiting in line. And what do I see is that new Marvel Select Thanos. Oh. Now, the Diamond Select, these are about the same scale, maybe slightly bigger than the Marvel Legends. They are quite detailed, relatively well articulated. They're about a $30 price point. This is something that I used to buy, but I got out of in favor of the Marvel Legend just because mm-hmm. of quantity and quality. But this Thanos, we mentioned it before, it's a Disney store exclusive. Thanos is my dude. I don't know by seeing my dude for some crazy-ass villain in the comics, but anyways, <laughs> that's what it is. He's got a, he's a cool villain. Like, his design is cool. You the know? MCU's gone, done a lot for me for him. <laughs> but uh, I had to grab this. It's, yeah. a, it's a great, great figure. And I'm excited to add him to the collection. I'm going to post some images here. I just popped them out of the box. Selects I do open. It's a comic version with a bit of an MCU twist on it and yeah it's great so my may the fourth at disney store was not only star wars but like you said Trey, i can't get my head at end game at a thanos and all that i had to buy this so disney store you know they're doing really great stuff when it comes to exclusives and all that but interesting enough no die cast no elite series star wars this year for may the fourth last year they had a vader exclusive very limited quantity and that's what i think these elite series should be but unfortunately none of that this year at the disney store just the poster and pin which i guess in itself is good enough we're celebrating may the fourth so that was awesome and another great experience having with my daughter and just doing that she got to open the disney store with the big nice. key and all this so nice. it was really really good and then nice. straight from there we headed off to a free comic book day down at phoenix comics here they had a lot of great stuff there. I grabbed that Avengers. I grabbed the Spider-Man as well as the IWD Star Wars Adventure stuff. I haven't had a chance to jump into either of them. But again, it's so good, this free comic book day thing. Not only does it get a ton of people into the local, but it really starts to expand that that comic book readership for even us as individual comic book readers. I grabbed the Spider-Man thing. I grabbed even Savage Avengers, which is previewed in this book. It's a new Avengers book with kind of the uh, the darker side of the Avengers, Ooh, if you will. Conan yeah. the Barbarian. Yes. Oh, right. Conan oh really? The Punisher's in there. A few wow. Others. Yeah. So it's a cool lineup. Yeah, and yep. the, the shop was was hopping when I got in nice. there. So it's good to see that Free Comic Book Day is driving people to the locals because that brick and mortar that's an important piece mm-hmm. of the industry, and I don't want that to go away. Oh yeah. So I'm glad I saw people in there buying stuff. I went in and bought some extra comics, some new things. So I like to always spend a bit of money because the comic book shops themselves, the owners, buy these books and give them to us for free. Like the comic book, they don't give them to them for free. Oh really? Yeah. So they they purchase them and give them away. So that's an important thing is getting you in there and spending the money mm-hmm. and supporting the locals. So really great to see all that. You know, May the Fourth was awesome. Free comic book day. Yeah, what a weekend there, and it's been. It's uh, it's still though, like you said, Jerry. I keep going back to this. Coming <laughs> yeah. off that high, 
Yeah, of Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But sticking with Star Wars, before we before we touch a little more on uh, the MCU here, Star Wars has come back in a big way. What do you mean? In 2022. 2022. <laughs> what What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? I'm curious. <laughs> so today, Disney released their massive combined Fox film slate. Oh. Which is, it's enormous over the next few years. And buried within that was a confirmation of all the MCU films we're going to get over the next couple of years. But also what the next line of Star Wars films with regards to dates look like. Now, 2022, December, they have put the flag in that position, and they're going to have a new film every other year. So in 2022, 2024, and 2026, okay. we're going to get new Star Wars films. Now, untitled Star Wars films, we don't know if they're the Benioff and Weiss or the Ryan Johnson or if they're jumping in between all this, but three new films. But we have a three-year hiatus here between The Rise of Skywalker and these new Star Wars films. Personally, I think this is good. Not only for fandom, but for Star Wars. We're going to have Disney+. Plus. We're going to have the Clone Wars. We're going to have all sorts of content coming at us. But it's nice to maybe just take a bit of a breather from Star Wars and have that momentum build. You know, it's funny jumping from the MCU to Star Wars where the MCU were like, give us more films. Yeah. Three films a year we're getting. We can't get enough of it. But Star Wars, I'm okay to pump the brakes a little bit here. What are you guys' thoughts on this three-year hiatus, these new Star Wars films, every two years? Go, Sanjay, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm just thinking now, so it's only three years. I know, you know, in between the OG trilogy and the prequels, it was like, what, 20 years? Yep. Between the prequels and the new trilogy, it's been, what, 20 years, give or take? It was 2005 to 2015. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so two, 10. 10 years. 10 years. So do you think three years is enough to build that hype? Because I remember The Force Awakens, the hype was like insane and phantom menace the hype was insane i don't know if like three years like three years isn't even that long like we we're gonna wait three years in between like avengers age of ultron and avengers infinity war it was probably like close to three years eight films in between there yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean um i'm always good for more content especially um new and original content so i'm down for it i don't know which trilogy this is gonna be is this going to be, as you said, Ryan Johnson? Is this going to be like filling in some gaps? Like maybe like some solo characters mm-hmm. where they get their own films? I don't know. I'm curious to see. But they're they're planting their flag in there. Yep. Um, and one lands opposite Aquaman I was, was going to bring this up <laughs> because, you know, you're a Star Wars guy. I'm a DC guy. And we were kind of talking about this on Twitter, about which one do you think should move? Which one will move? And Star Wars ain't moving. I'll I, tell you that right now. I don't think Aquaman. I don't think Aquaman has anything to fear. If I'm being honest, uh, if you look at the main like anthology films, yeah, then I would say move it. If this was episode ten, I would say move it. But if you look at the other films like Rogue One and mm-hmm. Solo, Aquaman made more than both those. Yeah. So I'm saying they both. I mean, December every day is like a Saturday. Every day is like a weekend because people are off work, people, kids are off school. So I think there's room for both of them to succeed. I mean, look at Jumanji and uh, Force Awakens. Was it Force Awakens? Yeah, I think so. Or yeah. maybe the Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Uh, Last, Jedi yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. So yeah. Jumanji too made eight hundred, nine hundred million. The Last Jedi made well over a billion, if not two billion. Not quite two. Not know. quite two. So combined, they made like two, two and a half billion. Yeah. So I definitely think Aquaman stay in there, plant that flag, give people an option, and you know let the consumers decide. 
Yeah, it's risky business, man. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely is a risk, but I think, you know, I think Aquaman, especially in China, if you look up in China, which Star Wars doesn't play well. Star Wars does not play well in China. Aquaman made 200 to 300 million dollars in China. You're not wrong on the foreign market. Yeah, on the foreign market. It may hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. Foreign, probably not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Troy, what's your take on this three year hiatus and building back up to every two years, Star Wars films coming back in a big way? But giving us a little bit of breathing room here. I love it. I love the breathing room, man. I'm uh, I'm not Star Wars fatigued, but like I said, man, I'm in a world of Marvel right now, and um, I think this is a great time to um, one, you know, prepare your vision for this universe that you guys are saying out. I, I think it's probably going to be the Game of Thrones guys doing it. I think it's going to be that uh, trilogy that they're working on, and yeah. I think this is a great way to, you know, kind of pump the brakes a bit. Um, not even course correct, but just you know, plan out that vision and then have the the anticipation of the crowd build up a little bit there because we don't need a 10-year gap anymore i think those days are over but having these movies spread out every two years really excites me and like you mentioned you know we're going to have the disney plus going on we're going to have the mandalorian we're going to have cassian cassian and or probably um and um you know we got the video game going on there's so much content books books books, resistance still going on so uh i think we're good man i think we're good i'm excited uh avatar 2 they also mentioned as well you know the avatar films they pushed it one more year yeah yeah, which is fine which you know i mean we'll be up to avatar 5 by 2027 so in that disney slot or in that disney december slot we're going yeah. to be rotating between Avatar and Star Wars films every other year. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I, I wonder how they're going to do. Yeah. Huh. I, it'll be curious. Um, I, I'm thinking about 2020 now. That year, there's yeah. no big December release? They're doing a Cruella, I believe it is. Okay. It's like a Disney live action right. One Dalmatian or something. Right. Again. Because whenever they had the old live yeah. action. Glenn, Glenn Close? Yeah. I think yeah. that's what's in There is a film in a Disney film in that spot. But do you think someone else, like a like a DC, should say, "Hey, this is vacant"? Probably. Let's throw it in. I mean, last time they went up against the live action uh, Disney movie, it worked out pretty well for Aquaman. Yeah. Well, and like, let's face it, three of the five biggest films of all time fall in this space. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's a very important space. And Avatar two, now that it's under the Disney banner, mm-hmm. it's going to take precedence. This is a big franchise. They've got a massive park expansion that they did a couple years ago yeah they put avatar land in there which is quite incredible i've seen it it's great but the momentum from this film come on like uh, for a film that had made 2.7 billion dollars which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes about whether or not endgame can actually eclipse that that's had zero cultural impact Mm-hmm. And we're now waiting from when did it come out? It came 2009. out in 2009. 2009. We're going to yeah. be over, what, 10 plus years to yeah. follow up the biggest film of all time. That is ludicrous when you look <laughs> at it just from a business perspective. You know, I will say the cultural impact, I think, of Avatar was the rise of 3D again. Yeah, and it's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> the whole cycle came and went in between Avatar films. It was cool for a while, so much so that I bought a 3D TV. Yeah. And. Then you had to wait a couple of years to get the Avatar because it only came with a Panasonic Blu-ray player. What? And I still, and I think you're the same way, Troy. I've never opened the film. I've, I've only seen that film yes. once. Same with yeah, me, same with me. Both. In 2009. Three of us. Yeah, I saw it. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on home video. And then I just, you know, it was okay. Like, I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just it's, okay. It was fine. It was yeah. a movie. and But I just don't think that planning out Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, like, yeah. You know, it's I don't know. This is Star Wars level of planning they're putting into this, I guess, or MCU universe building type thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, 
I, I don't have anything particularly against Avatar. It's just not something that, for a film that made $2.7 billion, it's not something that sits out there as being significant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, following something up 10 plus years later, it's you're almost like a whole generation of moviegoers yeah. that are going to be removed from this. And it's just interesting to see. But, you know, with Disney now backing this in a big way and putting the promo and the effort into it, sure yeah whatever let's let's see how this thing does and uh <laughs> you know the key thing is here is we're getting star wars back and i i'm with you guys three-year gaps good you know what else is cool about it it's gonna give for a collector's perspective it's gonna give us some space and the black series hasbro to fill in some of these gaps yeah if they're not making new film figures and sucking up six months of the year with those releases we're gonna go back and visit ot we're gonna visit the force awakens last jedi all of these eras we're going to see Black Series coming out of this. So it's going to be really cool to see what collecting goes or how mm-hmm. collecting goes, Lego sets. All this is going to take a step back and revisit some of these these saga films. And I think that's cool because it's sometimes I feel like even with the MCU and Star Wars and all that, like as a collector, you're like, we're trying to refocus here, take a breath. I didn't pick up anything from Solo in the Black Series. The first film I've not done that with. And I'm looking forward to them taking a step back and producing characters that we haven't seen before that we don't have to rely particularly on a fan vote to get. So from that aspect too, you know, we're going to have the Mandalorian and all that in there, but I think it's cool from a collecting aspect that we're going to have a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a rebuild into a force Friday four at some point in 2022. So I think that momentum build, and I think three years is a good amount of time to be away from the film universe to get it back to an event style of of film viewing you take the avengers films they're about three to four years apart mm-hmm. and those are the events and that's kind of what we're looking to reestablish in star wars is the event film going experience and putting that in december i think is going to make a lot of fans very happy about that being the event style thing in and around the december time frame the christmas time frame so mm-hmm. I, it's it's cool i'm glad to see that we have some line of sight to new star wars films and i'm glad it's not next year like yeah i'm with you troy i'm not fatigued but i think it's cool to take a little bit of a breather and and get into it and get that hype built again but there's gonna there's so much content anyways that we're yeah. never going to feel an absence of star wars the same way we did in the previous hiatuses that we did see where we never thought we we're gonna get another film again yeah. yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting going forward to see the marketing too, you know, with the Star Wars because it's obviously going to be a new approach. It's we're completely removed from the Skywalkers, whether yeah. it's going to be the Ryan Johnson stuff or the Game of Thrones guys. We're not going to see a, a you know a crumpled Vader helmet or the word Skywalker. You know, no. it's going to be really interesting to see what these character focused. Um, yeah, the, the the movie itself is just going to be like when who are they going to focus on with characters or are they going to pull from uh, legends? You know, who knows? But. Yeah. Good times, man. Just wait Can't until wait Ray is uh, Luke's daughter. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you call it. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> and everywhere else on the internet. Ray and Finn. <laughs> yeah. Finn is, yeah, he's related to the Skywalker. There you go. Yeah. Okay, Sanjay just throwing it down. Yeah, throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> All right, guys. Which one's you know, Finn again? Finn, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just kidding. All right mcu we're gonna spend the rest of this episode talking about the mcu what and we are I thought, I thought this was a dc episode yeah yeah we had a dc episode a couple episodes ago. oh <laughs> man all right all right well you guys keep talking i'm gonna take a nap yeah <laughs> yeah right we got to talk end game here guys we're gonna put a bit of a spoiler tag on this now we're gonna talk 
primarily by the box office here, but I want to free us up a little bit to talk about any sort of Endgame stuff. So if you haven't seen Endgame, guys, we're going to put a caution spoiler on here. And if we do intend to talk really deep about it, and this is probably going to come in and around when we talk about the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, we will put a permanent spoiler tag on so we're not spoiling Endgame for you. We don't want to be responsible for that. The Russos did say, though, on Monday, the spoiler ban has been lifted. So there's all sorts of gifts all over the internet right now of all the big scenes, which I don't know where people got them from. But anyways, yeah. they're out there. So Avengers Endgame, we talked in detail about the film last week as well as the box office. This, you know, taking a $357 million domestic haul in its opening weekend and $1.2 million globally, it continued this past week to steamroll the box office, adding about $150 million domestically which brings its total to $621 million in the U.S. and Canada. And globally, it notched over that $2 billion mark, taking in $2.23 billion. It is the fastest film ever to hit that $2 billion mark in just 11 days, eclipsing Avatar's 47 days That's crazy, to hit man. the same dollar total. It passes Titanic for the second highest grossing film of all time globally. Now, to put this in perspective, Titanic held that title of highest grossing film or second highest grossing film since 1997. Uh, love that movie. Not The Force Awakens, yeah. Infinity War. Needs none of those Dion. films touched it. Yeah. And it's only Endgame that has now eclipsed that to become the second highest grossing film of all time. Now it's unadjusted numbers. Do you guys think, with the momentum that this has, I, I've said it outright that it will, but will it pass Avatar? Now we've seen what this film is doing, $2.23 billion in two weeks. Yeah. Will it pass $2.7 billion to become the highest grossing film of all time? Troy, you're shaking your head yes. Yes, absolutely <laughs> will, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. If this thing doesn't pass Avatar, I will dress as what are they? Navvies? Were they called? Yeah, I will dress as a Navi for Avatar Two, full blue, no like cheapskate tank top. I will dye my hair blue. I'll paint my face nice. blue. I'll wow. wear a blue, blue thong hair. when I uh, <laughs> go in there. I think that's what they wore. I don't remember, but uh, yeah, no, there's no way this thing ain't gonna pass it. It's it's gonna pass it probably. By the time our next episode hits, it'll be pretty dang close. It should be pretty close, yes. It yeah. has the potential to be, like we said before, the first $3 billion film globally. Yeah. yeah. Very impressive. And one other impressive number that I just want to drop here, the Avengers franchise itself, mm -hmm. globally, it has grossed over $7 billion. That's those crazy. are just those four films. Wow. Seven billion dollars. That's uh, that's the uh, probably the highest grossing per movie average. In it history. is. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's absolutely wild what this film is doing, and well deserved. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's an epic film. Like I said, go check out a review. Yeah, we we praise this thing to no end. There's a few little things in there, but nonetheless, I think it is well deserving here, and it's been great following up with a second viewing. Is there is there anything for you guys? You know, I listened back to our review. I, I've had some time to process some of this. Is there anything else? We're going to put the big spoiler tag right now uh, for Avengers Endgame. So if you haven't watched this, we're going to talk a little bit here. But is there anything that you guys have thought of that you want to talk about a little bit more? Any character pieces? Anything that really jumps out at you? Have you changed your mind on anything? Or is it just <laughs> still that same epic Avengers Endgame thoughts and praise that you're throwing at it? Um, honestly, 
I've not changed my mind. Like I haven't seen this film again, but it's still so epic. Yeah. I mean, just that one last battle, just just taking that. If that was the whole movie, it would still be better than like ninety nine percent of movies ever made. Like that yeah. battle is just so amazing and so creative to like think of that and to plan and put the seeds in it. Like hats off to the directors. They really like have shown like tremendous, you know, ability with these characters, with these movies. Uh, you know, I don't even know what they're going to do next, but I'll probably be there watching it. Like these, these directors, the Russo brothers, I'm, I'm a fan for life Something now. Else. I mean, they directed yeah. community. They directed you mean Dupree, which I actually thought was pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, just getting back to Endgame. Um, just thinking about the film itself and just, you know, cultural impact. I'm just, you know, we talked about Avatar. Cultural impact was the rise of 3D. What cultural impact do you guys think or foresee Endgame having, if any? Oh, I, I go with the, the universe building. You know, yeah. it's the MCU. It's the cinematic universe that everybody and their dog's trying to do. And right. these guys are the champion of of doing that format. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, man, it's, it hasn't left my brain whatsoever. I, I think it was a while back, you know, a couple podcasts back, I said, you know, if I had, you know, a Star Wars or a Marvel movie, which had to go, I, I said Marvel because I always have the comic books. <laughs> this movie changed everything for me because this is like next level comic book storytelling yeah. in some yeah. ways, at least cinematically. Right. Um, I feel basically the same way about what I did last time, but going back and watching Ragnarok and watching homecoming, it just enhances those movies more. It's, it's again, it's the winter soldier effect. Yeah. It's first mm-hmm. Avenger, you know, to see this, this, I, I say it all the time, but this vision fulfilled in this conclusion of, um, you know, the fourth, Avengers movie, it's it's really something else, and uh, you know it's history in the making, man. This this movie was fantastic. I, I I've actually gone a little under on Thor, so what I said last time, I'm a little I'm, I was I'm a little less on that feeling, I guess you could say. I still feel the same way about Professor Hulk, but I think I do like Thor a little bit more than I initially let on. I yeah, guess okay. I'll say that. That's you my know, only thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny after second yeah. viewing professor Hulk. And this is something I said, like second yeah. viewing will benefit that character. Mm-hmm. Loved him second time. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. Nice. I really enjoy what they did there. And I agree with you. I'm a bit lighter on the whole fat Thor thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still think that maybe it was a little much, but we had a great conversation online with, with Steve and Carlos that reframed that whole Thor and his way of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And so that was an important conversation to see and kind of watch it uh, develop there on Twitter. And so that has changed. And the second viewing has changed a bit of my more harsher criticism of the whole Thor arc in there. And so, yeah, different set of goggles, different lens on that mm-hmm. provided new perspective. But I'm still going to stay with the criticism a little bit that maybe it went a little too long. And you would like to see him come out of that a little bit, but as a character, yeah, sure, it's 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 great. And like you said, Troy, yeah. I've I can't stop thinking about this freaking film. <laughs> I cannot stop thinking about that last battle. Yeah, yeah. and watching it again. Whew, yeah. Oh man, and I'm going Friday. I got to go again. Yes, nice, nice. and you're talking cultural yeah. impact. Like I agree yeah. with you, Troy. It's universe building. It's it's showing that you can have a very planned out and epic i'm gonna call epic again ending for some of these characters that you don't have to be in a franchise for so long where so thin that you're like oh my god enough's enough x-men being one of the the case in point there so yeah yeah, the the long form storytelling that is the important takeaway here 
And yep. we're seeing this now carry on through Endgame and into Spider-Man Far From Home, which is acting, as Kevin Feige said, as the last film in Phase 3. Mm-hmm. And really the epilogue to Avengers Endgame is going to be the first film out of the gates that picks up the pieces of Endgame almost immediately. And seeing that immediate effect on the world coming out of the unsnap, whatever we're going to call it, the Stark snap. This is dealing directly with that. So let's get into this trailer. Again, spoilers for Endgame, spoilers for Spider-Man Far From Home. This trailer in itself, I thought, gave away a little more. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it was cut more by Sony than it was Marvel Studios. Because it did tell quite a bit, I think. Maybe a bit more than I would have liked. But the big thing coming off of this is, yeah, they warned us Endgame spoilers. But it's that direct repercussions and dealing with we're going to see this in the start of the film even so much so that the trailer in itself is playing the avengers theme as an undertone score <laughs> to that first piece where we have tom hall and spider-man conversing with happy hogan john favreau there mm-hmm. about the death of tony stark the memoriams that are going up the wall paintings the 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 real acknowledgement to what stark did so, first part of this trailer, Troy, this, this is your uh, dude. Yeah, How man, are you feeling day. about the first part here and the and Tom Holland and that emotional reaction to Endgame, dealing with the fallout from all of that? Love this, man. This is what I need. I'm, I'm a sucker for movies much... Are we in spoilers right now? Yeah, we're in full <laughs> spoilers. We're in spoilers. Yeah, so I'm a sucker for movies that um, have that... Um, that tragedy that it deals with, that, that, that effect, like the first um, act of endgame i love movies that are a little bit more serious but they can also go up and down and this trailer does that this is very much like the first act of civil or endgame you know we have a tom holland that's grieving over over tony and this is so spider-man to the core peter parker someone that can you know be tragic but they can also see the light he's very optimistic um unlike batman batman stays in the dark peter goes into the light but they have about the same amount of tragedy throughout their life. So this right here, man, this this captures Spider-Man for me, man. These guys get it. They got Tom Holland down. Love yeah. it. Nice, nice. I mean, the people who are running Disney, who are running Marvel Studios, and who are running the Spider-Man franchise, they're not dumb. No. Just by connecting this to Endgame, you can add probably 150 to $200 million to the gross. Yeah. At least, right? Like, Iron Man 3 effect. Man. Iron Man 3 effect. This thing is going to be huge. I mean, this movie you follow up and you directly tie it into the biggest film of all time. That's just smart marketing. Like the, the movie can be complete crap and people are going to go, this movie's going to make a billion dollars guaranteed. This movie's making a billion dollars. Now the fact that, you know, it's in the good hands, good director, good actors, that gives me confidence that this is going to be a good movie as well. And you know, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, I love him as Spider-Man and he does, you know, you could see him really like acting this. He's like crying you know, and then he, one scene he's crying. The other scene he's battling thugs in a restaurant. It looked like. Yeah. I mean, before me and Tim were just watching this trailer, and I, you know, they're showing that scene. I think it's like a restaurant. Yep. I said, "This is this is the warehouse scene in Batman v Superman, like the scene where you can see Batman finally unleash his powers." This is. You, I bet you. I haven't se- obviously I haven't seen it, but I bet you this scene is going to be inc- that scene's going to be incredible. Spider Man's web slinging like he's got the, all the people tied up in webs. That's going to be the scene of the movie, I'm predicting. Yeah, Iron Spider suit. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. And that's just like one scene. And then it goes on to fight like big giant elementals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like them establishing here in what is, is post-snap New York, presumably 2022, 2023 or something like that, where he himself is taken upon to become 
they, they say it a couple times, like, are you going to become the new Iron Man? And I, I kind of like that they're putting Peter Parker in that role and taking up some of the space mm-hmm. that Iron Man filled. Now, it's a big role, and it, I don't know, Troy, you'd be best to comment on this about your thoughts on him moving into the Iron Man space as far as hero. But I like that they established early on here that, yeah, he's grieving, but he's still that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man yes. that's been to space. And John Favreau, <laughs> Happy Hogan, calls out here and says, look, Tony did this with the idea that you're going to be around to pick up some of that slack. I like that moment there. Like that is a defining moment for Spider-Man. You know, we don't see the uncle Ben thing Mm -hmm. in this universe. It's implied, but this here is, is another uncle Ben moment for Peter Parker. And I love that. I love that it's Tony Stark that has become that character, that legacy character, especially for Peter Parker, that driving of motivation to do something bigger and better. You know, I, I absolutely love what they're doing here. It, yeah, no, it, it's cool. It's kind of like the Ultimate Universe's uh, the death of Peter Parker effect to Miles Morales, but here mm. they're spinning it, and it's like the Iron Man to Peter Parker. It's um, it's really cool, especially what they've done here. And I agree with you. I like that the fact that you know we're not getting the Uncle Ben stuff, but they're moving forward on a grander scale, really, on a superhero, like, super superhero, superheroic level, which <laughs> is um. Iron Man, basically, right? Mm-hmm. But um, this is cool, and I, I like the fact that, yeah, they are kind of pushing that this could be the new Iron Man, but it's yeah. Spider-Man. I mean, in the world, outside world, Spider-Man's like the bigger hero, but in the Marvel Universe, Iron Man is like the top dog, and Spider-Man is just kind of like the friendly neighborhood guy. So yeah. really love what they're doing here with this trailer. Yeah. yeah. Awesome stuff. And then they really explicitly go from New York to European vacation. We knew this was coming. He presumably is suiting up as as Spider-Man to some degree Mm because he doesn't take the Iron Spider suit. But we get this idea with Happy Hogan here that Nick Fury is chasing Spider-Man here because he's got a mission for him. So bringing Nick Fury and Maria Hill, that glue that we saw predominantly in Phase 1, Phase 2, they're re-bringing them back in here and bringing those familiar faces to the Spider-Man franchise. Like, for being a Sony Pictures film, they're shoving a lot of MCU characters into this, MCU legacy characters, to make sure you know that this is indeed set (laughs) in the MCU post-Endgame. And I'm loving what they're doing there with Nick Fury and even some of the call-outs here about don't ghost Nick Fury. Yeah. Like, Favreau, his delivery here and their interaction is fantastic. You know, seeing Tony Stark opposite Tom Holland's Spider-Man is great. On-screen chemistry is palpable. I'm getting a lot of that similar interaction here and that mentorship of Happy Hogan in the absence of Tony Stark. Like, to me, this this is not quite the Tony Stark, but it's pretty darn close. Like, how are you guys feeling about, about Happy Hogan's presence in this film? Taking on even more than a cameo role than we've seen him in the past, but more of a supporting role now, it looks like, at least from this trailer. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, in uh, Homecoming, he was involved, or was it Civil War? Where he was involved with Homecoming. Spider-Man. Homecoming, yeah. yeah. Of course you would know that, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching it right now, I bet. <laughs> uh, so it makes sense. And yeah, he's a good character. He's very underutilized. Like, he hasn't been seen much after Iron Man 2, really. He's, he's, been, he's been in and he's out. He's been in and out. But I definitely, you know, the more of him, the better. I, I think he's a great character. And I want to see him more in this universe. So yeah, if he's attached to Spider-Man, kind of that, as you said, that mentorship or that mentor and mentee, that's great. Like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Troy? 
Yeah, no, I think this is really cool because what they've done here is, you know, when you go back to Civil War and even Homecoming, it's Peter wants to be amongst the Avengers, right? He just wants to be that kid, much like he just wanted to be a part of like the Fantastic Four. But whereas here now, it's kind of like the MCU is like wanting him to join them, right? Like, it's really cool because this character has grown that much. I mean, this is only his second uh, solo film, but this is going to be his fourth in the MCU. And just to see so much growth going on with the character, it's more than we've ever had with any other Spider-Man movie. And this is just the trailer. So it's... uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool to see. I always love the back and forth between Favreau and uh, and Peter here, and um, yeah, it has that that ultimate flavor, man, of Nick Fury wanting you know to make Spider Man into the ultimate Spider Man, and and that's more of a reference to the ultimate cartoon Spider Man as opposed to the comic books. But yeah, yeah. Now we speculated last week towards the end of the episode about the net effects of Endgame and the Stark Snap, as we'll call it from now on, I guess, and then bringing everyone forward. So it appears that most of the cast, at least the the supporting cast from Homecoming, was indeed snapped as well, because they're all about the same age. They're all presumably still in high school. How convenient. Yeah, nice. We've got Flash, (laughs) Ned, Gank, if you will. We've got MJ back in the picture here. So it's nice to see that supporting cast together because the chemistry, again, that's something that they did really well in Homecoming, this whole John Hughes-esque type of film, mm-hmm. capturing that that youthfulness and that interplay between the characters. Zendaya as MJ, some of the dialogue and, again, the chemistry there between the two of them is fantastic. Her calling yeah. him out, which I think is a bit of BS. You know, <laughs> I think she's just dicking around with him with calling him Spider-Man. But yeah. I, I like her. The presence in the film with her is, is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, MJ is great, man. Zendaya is such a class actress here. She's fantastic. And yeah, going back to the chemistry, it was really cool what they established in the last movie there. And uh, again, she's another one that's shown growth. I, I like that we know he's calling her MJ. Like, that's out there now. Um, it, it's just cool. I like to see where they're going to go with that, with that relationship. And is she going to find out that he's Spider-Man in this uh, or not? But she does have, again, a bit of that ultimate MJ flavor going on here, I'd say. That vibe. Yeah, for sure. Now, the big reveal in this trailer Mm -hmm. comes about halfway through where we have Spider-Man recruited by Nick Fury and Maria Hill and a direct introduction to one Quentin Beck, Mysterio. Yeah. And the big drop here was that Mysterio himself is not from our world which opens the doors and directly referenced by Spider-Man Peter Parker here to the MCU multiverse. So two questions I got here for you. Is the multiverse a real thing? And we're going to talk about this a little bit later when it comes to the future of the MCU. But in the context of this film, is the multiverse a real thing? Or is Quentin Beck using this as some sort of ploy? Because he's notoriously in the comic books a liar. <laughs> yeah. He's an illusionist. Is he playing Nick Fury and eventually here Spider-Man Troy? You have kind of the bit yeah, more man. of the background with his character. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on what they're doing here? Him being played as more of a hero from another planet mm. or from another dimension, another reality? He's going to be the villain, I would presume, yeah. here. So mm-hmm. so yeah. what's your take on all this? Oh, man. They're, they're doing so much cool goodness right now. Um, I like the fact that they're playing off as a good guy, first yeah. of all. But we know he's going to spin and be a bad guy. But see, the thing is here is that he mentions the multiverse, which is cool. But he mentions the world, the Earth 833. Yeah. This, which, so there's a clip, yeah, from Ellen. Yeah. 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 yeah which is out there. I um, guess that's on the trailer. But it's out there. Um, no spoilers. 
And um, 833, that's Spider-Man UK. So that's kind of a weird number to use where Spider-Man UK is not like he's kind of popular in Spider-Verse, but Mm -hmm. nobody really want to base a movie off of. So (laughs) when I think of Mysterio, a big thing is there was the Spider-Man crossover by Michael Bendis. Um, and that revolved around Mysterio opening the Ultimate Universe. So he's kind of played with the Ultimate Universe and the 616 that we all know. So if you were actually going to go the multiverse route, you would have just said like the 1610 verse, which is yeah. 1610 is the is the Ultimate Universe. So why go 833? So Mysterio being Mysterio, he's all about illusions. He's kind of like Spider-Man Scarecrow on a grander uh... scale. So I would say, you know, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus, but coming off of the heels of Endgame, you know, we have time travel and you throw in multiverse, you're kind of hyping it up thinking like, yeah, this could happen, which maybe down the road it will, but I don't think they're going to do that yet. And if you would, I don't think you'd reveal that in a trailer. So yeah. I'm going, it's just a hoax for now. It seems like an odd thing to drop in a trailer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are, what are you thinking? Do you think this is real? Uh, I'm going to say it's a hoax, like a, like a hoax or he's playing them. Cause like, you know, I go back to the old Spider-Man cartoon. Mysterio was just like you said, this illusionist, the special effects artist. Yeah. Like he seems so small scale to open up the multiverse it seems crazy to me that it wouldn't be like a bigger name or like a bigger villain coming through no i mean that was 20 years ago and maybe he's expanded his role in the comics and his powers but i always just like in the in the you know in the cartoons he wasn't like that he was cool he had some cool shit that he did but he wasn't like that menacing and you know right i I feel like it would be like a like an a-lister that would open the multiverse you know like maybe like a ben riley like scarlet spider or something like that you know uh, or like Armored Spider-Man. I don't know, but uh, it just seems Mysterio just seems too small potatoes for like the multiverse. Right, you right. Know? That's, that's my take. Yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence on this one a little bit. I that's think, uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> a dull one. <laughs> you know, I think the multiverse is a real thing. We talked last week about what the effects of time travel could be, the removal of the stones, you know, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury in here, he makes reference to the snap, not specifically which one of the four mm-hmm. snaps tore a hole in our reality and allowed for the, 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 the multiverse to, to really affect this Earth's time stream, the MCU time stream. So I think that's a real thing. And we'll get into a bit more detail a little later on the episode about that. But I think Mysterio himself is, is playing them with that aspect. Whether or not he's a Mysterio from a different reality, I don't know. But I, I agree with you guys. He's definitely the villain. I yeah. like how they're masking him as mm-hmm. maybe some sort of protagonist in this mm-hmm. uh, when eventually he will be the antagonist. So it's a cool introduction to a much bigger aspect. And playing this in the trailer, it is odd, but it might be a ploy. It might be a marketing way for Marvel to say, look, guys, something big's coming here. Mm-hmm. We're going to say the word multiverse. Go and Google it. So that when you sit down in the theater, you're not scratching your head. Because we just threw time travel and all the stuff at you, and people consumed that and accepted it. So yeah. Plus the mul- Spider-Verse, too. Yeah, right? he was like, go exactly. watch Spider-Verse. Well, yeah. that's a huge, yeah, huge film, huge yeah. success, especially in Spider-Man. So yeah. they are using that, that those cues to say, hey, guys, it, it's cool. You know, We've seen this before. Some exposition here, and you can buy into it because sometimes you worry about the complexities of things like multiverse and time travel with regards to audience and understanding the films. There's a lot to build into this, but at the same time, 
this could be the next big step for the MCU. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this could be our first introduction to it. You know, how do you top the MCU Infinity Saga? Well, you start with the multiverse, maybe. And like you said, there's some familiarity with that, especially with Spider-Man. Spider-Man mm-hmm. to the Spider-Verse was a huge hit for Sony. Why not tease it here? Yeah. So yeah. pretty cool stuff. What are your guys' thoughts on Mysterio's look? We, we've seen him in the trailer before, but this is a really slow-paced, real Thor-looking character. So I'm going to be interested to see if he is from a different reality, where he's coming from, what this tech is. Is this Stark tech from a different universe? Mm-hmm. Is this his tech? Is this Asgard? Like it's, it's going to be really cool to see how they spin all this because they can really pull, if they have a multiverse, they can pull from anywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like everything's fair game now. If there's a multiverse... That opens the door for Tony Stark to come back. That opens the door for Captain America to come back. It opens the door for anything. Like you could have evil Spider-Man. You could have, heck, you could have anyone come. Like it's the multiverse. There's limitless possibilities. So, uh, getting back to Mysterio's look, it looks pretty sweet. The fishbowl head, where like the the clouds are still going. Like it's not just like a glass helmet. It looks super cool. Um, it's such a tough costume to bring to real life. And for them to nail it, like it just it just goes to show the world we're living in, where you could you could have a Mysterio costume that's comic accurate and no one bats an eye. You try to do that twenty years ago, and this thing gets laughed out of the theaters. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool and it's super exciting to see like to see where they go with Mysterio. Yeah, because you know I did call him Small Potatoes, but I've always liked him. He just wasn't particularly menacing in the cartoon, but he always, yeah, I said he has a cool power set. He looks fantastic. It's going to make a great toy. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If you want menacing uh, Mysterio, read Old Man Logan, like first first oh, issues, okay. couple issues. He's, yeah, yeah he's, he's done some dirt. But um, <laughs> I, I love this costume, man. Like, you know, we talk about the MCU. They've done such a great job of bringing comic accurate costumes to the live screen the big screen it's it's crazy like yeah on paper this shouldn't work live action wise but at this rate i feel like the mcu could bring out wolverine's yellow and blue spandex and they'll make it work i'm pretty sure they they do i hope they do yeah because this looks great and yeah sanjay you're right you know with like the clouds going on in the in the the fishbowl and the green doctor strange kind of effects going on there i'm totally all in man i i can't wait to see this and this is a character that we've all been wanting since the sam Raimi days We've all been wanting to see Mysterio on he the big screen. He's supposed to be in uh, Spider-Man 4. Sam Raimi, oh. if he was going to continue on, he's supposed to be at the beginning, like this out of shape guy is a kind of a joke that I think it was going to be played by Bruce Campbell. That Spider-Man there, right? Was Vulture. That? Yeah. Yeah, Vulture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Spider-Man yeah. like goes to the priest, like the police station and they're arresting Mysterio, who's like this out of shape actor who's just like <laughs> treated as a joke. So, <laughs> I mean, at least he's getting some respect in this one. Yeah, yeah definitely. Now, I got a question here I'm going to bring in, or part of a question at least, from our good friend Mark Godsiff. You yeah. know, big MCU fan. So he's he's got two pieces to this, and this kind of goes to the, to the things we just talked about. So he wants to talk a bit about, remember when we looked at the first trailer, Peter's Passport? Mm-hmm. And there's missing dates on it? Yeah. So he goes to ask a question here. There's a lot of talk about Peter Parker's passport from the original teaser that having no date on it. Do you guys think the passport for those that were snapped will include details about their missing five years? Something that we'll need to explain is why someone that is technically 20 years old, but Mm. only lived 15, still looks 15 and still in school. So the new MCU will have to get very interesting from this point forward, he says. So do you think that, you know, I know it's a small little point, Mm -hmm. but we're all about the detail. Yeah. Do you think that that passport is going to be 
again, maybe that's why it didn't have dates on it. Maybe you had to get a mm. new passport and it did say 2025 or 2023, 2024. Do you think those details are important in the MCU? Personally, I do think. But would you guys be upset if some of those details are glossed over? Or like Mark's point here, do you think that they're going to need to explain stuff like that here with even the age of these characters still being in high school five years later? Like, do you need that exposition in the film? Um, well, I, I think with the passport thing, I think it's clear now because they're just hiding the fact that we didn't, they didn't want us to know about the five-year jump. Yeah. So I think it would be 2023 on the, on the passport, right? I think they just blacked that out on purpose else we'd all be going crazy. Like, yeah, what yeah. does this mean? Um, but I don't know. I think they'll probably, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely, you know, gloss over it because they have more time with this film to kind of explain the fact that what better way to do it, especially when you're dealing with high school kids, you can deal with the fact that the five-year gap happened to those who were snapped, but there's only like five seconds. Mm-hmm. And I think in Endgame, they kind of go over that. Like, Peter's like, one second second I was snapped, the next minute I was, like, yeah. back out here. I think something like that happened in that film. I couldn't quite remember. Yeah, in Endgame it does. Yeah. In Endgame, yeah, I think something like that happened. But I think this is the perfect opportunity to introduce that. Like I said, you're back in high school. You have kids that have obviously a lot older, five years older, that have left high school and now in college. But then you have these kids that have come back from the snap, and you need to explain why they haven't aged, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I hope they. I hope they go through those details. Here's a question for you guys, okay? So you know, you're married to your wife. She she gets snapped into you know nothingness. Five years pass. Maybe you find someone in a support group. Who knows? You guys, you know, get married or you know are seeing each other in those five years. Snap again. She comes back. Like this is going to create a lot of odd situations for people. I, I want to see a whole movie dedicated to that situation. Feels like feels like internet shorts. <laughs> no, I want. Who was those like uh, people that were like interns at Shield? I feel like they was. Was that a thing? Did I just make that up? Maybe. I, I seem to remember some sort of Shield like. It's a whole shorts. TV show. Yeah. Why don't Why don't they do that on Shield? Shield the TV show. You know, or it could be like a romantic comedy or something. Interesting. <laughs> you well, know, let me let me know, that, Kevin Feige. If you have chance that my wife listens to the episode, I would never take another <laughs> ever. <laughs> You take a vow of of uh, solitude in exactly. memorial. Exactly. I, I would be on the quest to get the Infinity Stones to bring her back. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be one of those guys, man. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. But <laughs> if you know, if Kevin Feige, if you're listening and you say, "Hey, that's a great idea," and you want me to, you know, cast like Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts and make this into like the Hallmark movie, Marvel movie of the month, let me know and I'll do it. Yeah, I'll make that sacrifice. Seems right up Fuggy's alley. <laughs> you know, he wants to diversify his portfolio of movies. So, romantic comedy is something that he hasn't had yet. So. There you go. Deadpool. Sanjay Quest for the Soul Stone. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Your Soul Stone. Ooh. Now, Deep. another second part to this question by Mark here. He wants to ask the question. You know, we've already kind of touched on this about the multiverse and it being real or not from Beck's perspective, but. Mm. Real question embedded in here is, will it or could it lead into a Venom crossover? Or, like we mentioned, bringing in or pulling out Tom Holland's Spider-Man into a different Sony universe. So they don't have to worry about meddling with the MCU. They can yank Holland out, drop him in to Venom, say, drop him into something else. His own new franchise is removed from the MCU. And then when the MCU wants him, they just reach back in and pull him out. Do you think there's potential here for stuff like that to happen? That'd be cool. That'd be cool. And, uh, you know, maybe not so much Tom Holland, but maybe they bring back Andrew Garfield. You open up this multiverse, and then, you know, the next Spider-Man 3, it's Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland tearing up shit in Spider-Man. 
Like that that's a billion dollar movie right there. You throw in Toby Maguire too? Oof. You can't, Live action Spider Verse? You can't tell me that's not making a billion dollars. You know, you throw in <laughs> Kirsten Dunst back in there, you throw in Emma Stone. Is it Emma Stone? Emma Watson? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah. You throw in um Zendaya, boom. That's that's billions of dollars. That's like two billion right there. <laughs> Sanjay, you're on points tonight. <laughs> uh, I think a thousand percent Tom Holland doesn't go back to the Sony universe that way. He might hop in there for like an Easter egg, which yeah. is cool and it's funny. And he sees like, hey, that's me when I'm older, and it's Andrew Garfield, or he sees Venom <laughs> for a moment, maybe in this film. But there's no way they're gonna take Tom Holland out after he's just gone through time travel, or not time travel, but he's been snapped, come back to life. Time travel happened in one movie and then put him in another franchise. It would just be weird. I, I don't think they'll do that at all. But um, I think it's a way that you can have fun with it and literally just see like other characters from the Sony universe yeah. mm-hmm. for like two seconds. I, but don't, I, I don't think yeah. we'll ever see characters from the Sony universe in the MCU, but I think there is potential to go the other way. Sorry, say it again. There's a, there's I don't think we'll sports. ever see Venom or anything like that in the MCU, but we could yeah. see Holland, Spider-Man in whatever Sony universe they're creating. But just oh. say, hey, multiverse, we yanked him out for a minute. He's back in the MCU. So yeah. they don't mess with the MCU with yeah. this stuff, but they have the ability to yank that character back and forth. So I think there's, there is potential there if they really want to do that, that might be built into the, yeah. how do we use Spider-Man in the MCU go forward? Well, you got to let us use him here, but we'll say multiverse. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah, it'd just be weird though, right? I mean, we'll get off it soon, but just the Tom Holland, Spider-Man, what they built up in the Venom universe, they're just, they're so different. Yes. I mean, before mm-hmm. the Venom movie came out, I would have been like, maybe, but now seeing the tone they've gone with Venom, it just... Yeah, it's so different. It's on a turd rolling in the wind. I mean, we got Mor- uh, Morpheus? Morbius? Morbius. Morbius coming out. I just watched yeah. Matrix, so I thought Morpheus. But uh, yeah, so like, who knows? Maybe you know, maybe that thing will be a, be a hit as well. So yeah. Who knows? Wait and see yeah. here. Yeah. Now, the line of this trailer is, bitch, please, you've been to space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love that. And that goes to, again, having Nick Fury in here. Oh, yeah. And him really just being Sam Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really have to train that hard. Just put on an eye patch. Probably forgot which eye it goes on. And yeah. he's like, ah, just whatever. We'll wing it. Damn cat. Now, <laughs> the rest of this trailer really is kind of the bombastic, big action set pieces with the elementals. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a step in a direction for the MCU that is a bit bigger a bit different not bigger in scale because we've seen the biggest film we're going to probably see in this universe but going with something a bit more not even doctor strange s right it's it's kind of something quite different what are your, what do you guys take on the look of the elementals the the molten man hydro man if you will to me they seem a bit tonally outside of what the rest of this trailer is showing us and I don't know how much they're actually in the film. I can't mm-hmm. see them being much more than your middle battle. I don't see them being the extensive villains in this film. Troy, do you, yeah, are you buying into the elementals here as being a bigger part of the film? Or are they just a small kind of... Well, I guess maybe we do see them over top of the, the Tower Bridge here in London and all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How big do you think this elemental thing is going to be? And are you are you seeing it align with the tone of the MCU and actually this film 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely see it fitting in with the MCU. I mean, with things like going on in uh, Thor, like you know, just walking in Thor, you know, you look yeah, at um, true. what's the guy he takes down in the beginning? Uh, the the devil demon dude that in oh, Ragnarok. Surger. Oh, yeah, Surger. Yeah, Surger. You know, you see guys like that, and then Doctor Strange. Like, I feel like it fits. Um, I think these guys will probably be scattered throughout, like you know, the second and third act. Yeah. Like it'll kind of be like, like um, I don't know, like like. Like a video game almost. Like you have these levels going on through the end that you got to kind of take out and the Mysterio will be the bad guy. <laughs> kind of predictable in that sense. But I really like the look of him. I don't like how different Molten Man looks from the comics. But I mean, with what they're, you know, giving us here in this story, it makes sense that Molten Man would look like this as opposed to like what he originally looks like in the comic books. So I guess for that sense, the design choice matters and it, and it works for me. But um, all around, I'm kind of excited for these elementals. But the thing is, I'm more of a guy that likes like the traditional characters. Like, if you can either have like Fireman or Pyro, give me Pyro. If you can have mm-hmm. like the Ice God or Iceman, give me Iceman. Like, yeah. I want like you know the real Marvel guys, not just these made up kind of characters. But again, this is probably just Mysterio's uh, hoax going on here. And um, yeah, man, I'm 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 game though. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. Like as I said, I I don't know if these are actual people or they're just projections. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it could just be like a like a ruse. Like he's like, here's these bad guys, and then he takes them down, and he's like, see, I'm the hero. Yeah. So, you know, I, I the look of them, they look pretty cool. They look pretty cool. Um, but you said like I like to see, is it Hydro Man? I think is the Spider Man right. villain. Is that yeah. who this is, or is it just like Water Guy? I th- yeah, I think it's this water guy. <laughs> yeah, as of right there's now, action figures out on the shelves, and right. I think at least, and there's Lego. Mm-hmm. That's Molten Man for sure. Is what yeah. the the fire Build guy's figure. called. I'm okay. not sure about Hydro yeah. Man or not. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting take. I agree with you. Probably a projection of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- this is a very action packed trailer, and we're seeing lots of cool little nods here yeah. too. We get the stealth suit. We get the glasses, the Tony Stark glasses, you know, the mm-hmm. heads-up glasses potentially here. Yeah. Uh, we get quite a few shots, actually, of Quentin Beck's Mysterio. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal fills this role really nicely. The fishbowl, like you said, Sanjay, it works. Yeah. It's on screen. They're very, very apparent and very adamant about showing that this costume works in this universe, guys. Like, here mm-hmm. it is a whole bunch of times. So, yeah, to me, this trailer does a lot of really great stuff for this film the follow-up to avengers endgame has it moved the needle guys for you for this film sanjay you came out pretty hyped about it all yeah is it has it moved the needle coming off the back of endgame going from the first trailer coming out of homecoming all this what does this trailer do for you for your anticipation for spider-man far from home yeah i mean it's right up there for like it turns with the end of the year it's probably like my number two most anticipated film for the rest of the year so, I mean, move the needle. Yeah, I think it moved it up a couple places. Um, but I have no doubt that this movie is going to be pretty good and it's going to be pretty awesome. So seeing this stuff and seeing more of it, I'm hyped for it. It just kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, this film's coming out. It's kind of been lost in the shuffle in the wake of this Endgame little movie business. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's nice that they planted its flag and saying, hey, we're here too. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a pretty cool film in a couple months. So I'm going to put a pin in it and come back in yeah. a couple months. Yeah. Troy, how are you feeling about Spider-Man Far From Home? I know you were on the hype train before, but... Oh, man, I'm all about it. You know, oh, no, honestly, real talk, the first trailer, it didn't really do it for me as much. I loved the Homecoming trailer a lot. And then the first trailer for Far From Home, I was a little little let down. But then going into Endgame, I'm on that high. I'm loving everything coming out of 
Endgame. And I really feel like this trailer is far better than the first original trailer. The beginning sets the tone well. I like where they're going. I like that they're showing us action. I like that it's very um, Spider-Man-like. Like, they get the core character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, what he's going through. And um, I, I like that we got a big screen Mysterio coming up here. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It's a cool setting for the character. I know at first when I saw some of the set images, I wasn't the biggest fan of him being in Europe. But I think it's actually kind of cool to take Spider-Man out of New York now and, and put him here and have all of his friends with him too. And um, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen, man. I mean, <sighs> the multiverse is the biggest aspect for me here of what they've done. Like, if, if the multiverse is true, what they're actually going with, I mean, for all we know... The Spider-Man costume that we've been seeing this whole time, the red and black, we don't really see much of it in this trailer. Like, could that potentially be, like, Peter Parker from Mysterio's world? Like, could that could we have two potential Spider-Mans here? Because we've seen Tom Holland That'd in the black crazy. suit in this one. And we've seen him in the red and blue. And we've seen him in the Iron Man suit. Could the, could the far from home literally be, like, Spider-Man from another dimension? And he's oh, far from home? Like, could wow. not just a sense of Europe? Like, this is... I don't know, man. There's a lot from this trailer I can kind of take. And I could be totally off. Who knows? But no, all around, you take. know, I'm in it. I'm in this trailer. I love it. I love it, guys. Wow, I love that far from yeah. home take on the multiverse. That's, <laughs> That's good. fantastic That's good. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm right there with you guys. This This moved the needle for me. I like that we're seeing this as the follow-up to Avengers Endgame. It becomes a, a good blueprint for what this universe is going to look like post-Endgame. About how they're going to bring in and still cameo characters like Favreau, like Nick Fury, Maria Hill, and bring in new aspects all this. And also deal with the fallout of the snap. Mm-hmm. Like yes. This is something that cannot be ignored to go forward. And this film comes right out into your face and say, hell yeah, we're going to deal with this. And here are the net effects of all of this going on. This really is the foundation for the plot here, at least what we're seeing from this trailer. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hypes. It's, it's going to be a huge film. And it's really nice to see that this is how the MCU go forward is. This is going to be one of the pedestal characters mm-hmm. coming off the removal of some of the characters from Endgame there. Yeah, Spider-Man, this is this is highly anticipated. I agree with you, Troy. The first trailer was, yeah, sure. But it's because they could not do <laughs> mm-hmm. and could not reveal what was going on right. because of Endgame. Right. That's right. And so now that those those shackles have been lifted, this this has really changed the game for me here. And it nicely segues into our final topic for this evening, and that's talking about the future of the MCU, because this is the first film out of the gates that is dealing with the end of the Infinity Saga. It's really giving us a clear picture as to what we can expect. Now, go forward in the MCU. This 2019 release of Spider-Man Far From Home is the last named film that has been officially confirmed by Marvel Studios. We know next year, 2020, we have two Marvel Studios films. The first time that we only have two films in quite a few years, at least since 2017. That's followed by 2021 by three confirmed films and 2022 with another three confirmed films. So the MCU is not slowing down in the same capacity that Star Wars is. If anything, yeah, we have one less film next year. It's picking up because they're getting a lot of Disney Plus content being put out there as well that is heavily tied and as Kevin Feige stated, matters for the MCU. So looking at those eight films that we do have 
confirmed, so at least slots. Mm -hmm. There have been more or less some form of confirmation for a handful of films here that do include Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, Black Widow, The Eternals. And other films that you could conceivably see on a slate at some point would be Ant-Man 3, Spider-Man 3, Captain Marvel 2, and Thor 4. Now, from that list, guys, we've got eight films to fill in here. Presumably, most of the ones that we have relatively confirmed are in there, but that really only sucks up one, two, three, four, five films. What do you think, you know, outside of the Guardians, Black Panther, Doctor Strange 2, Black Widow, and potentially the Eternals, because we're seeing casting for that now, what other three films do you think needs to infill this movie slate going forward to give us a solid foundation before walking into what could inevitably be a new Avengers film? Mm hmm. Troy, what do you want this universe to look like? We're getting a lot of follow-ups to established characters. Yeah. Do you want more follow-up in Phase 4? Do you want new characters, new franchises? What do you think we need here in the MCU? Go forward. Um, it's, tar it's hard for me to say what we need and what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, what do you I'll want? Like, what what want. do you want? Let's put it that way. <laughs> what, what I want, you know, I what, I what the MCU did so great back in 2008 that we all gushed over was the little hints right the little shield in the background you know the little the hammer the hammer right yes. hammer. those things in the background i want that but with x-men you know i want Ooh. i want to hear a mission that i was on with james howlett which is logan i want to hear about you know someone uh shape-shifting which is mystique i want to hear these pieces being built towards you know eight films five films whatever and we have or X-Men cast. I want to hear that Charles Xavier opened up his school for the gifted somewhere. Like I want those kinds of things, those little hints, the Baxter building being bought, right? Those are kind of the things I'm, I'm hoping for. But I think, I think we'll also get, um, those films you mentioned, probably like the, what was it? Shang Chi is the one they yeah. mentioned. Shang Chi is another oh, one. That's yeah. 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 So I'm sure we'll get that. I'm, I'm sure we'll get that film coming out soon. Um, maybe like a hint to like the new Avengers of some mm -hmm. sort. Um, the Asgardians, it has to be going down. Yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy 3, if they don't spray paint yeah. it and call it the Ask Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know. <laughs> I love that idea, the spray paint. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. that so idea. It's like Thor, and then oh. the A-S. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The race itself. Yeah, it does. Oh, That's I, I love that. I, and you know what, Sanjay, you could be right. You know, the other day, I um I wasn't totally on board with your um Namor. Yeah. Because I was talking about rights and everything like that. But, you know, I'm reading Avengers again, obviously, and uh, Namor's getting a lot of love in those comic books. Who knows? Maybe he could possibly pop up. We could get some more hints. I love the whole idea you guys mentioned, too, with Black Panther yeah. and him going back at it, oh, like the comics. So good. That's that's right. And Fantastic Four, too. I mean, like, like you know, like that theory out there, if, if, the, if they bought the Baxter building and then they pop up next in the Black Panther film, like... How cool would that be going back to the comics when they first encountered each other? So right. th there's lots of lots of goodies we could get, man. Oh, I can't wait to see what's in store for this universe. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Sanjay, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. You know, are they going with pure established MCU characters, or like Troy mentioned, we can talk a little bit about the multiverse too. Do you think there's going to be an opportunity within the next three years of these slate of films? post 2019 to introduce characters like the fantastic four or the x-men or are they going to stay with their staples their foundational characters until they get beyond 2022 and really that next new avengers film where they solidify who the characters in the universe who the important characters are coming off the back of endgame where we've lost basically their two main characters right mm -hmm. so the three 
Three, yes, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Black Widow in there too. Mm-hmm. So like, there are three main: the heart, the soul, and the brains of the MCU. If you yeah. will, have all been lost, they need to reestablish these. Do they do these with new characters, or do they do these with the staples that we've already seen and established? Uh, you know, I don't think we'll be getting any of those Fox characters that came in over like the X Men, the Fantastic Four. At least not yet. You know, I feel like. Marvel, MCU, Kevin Feige, they tend to plan things out a number of years in advance. And I think things are already in motion to set up Avengers 5. And I think that's kind of their next goal. Once they reach Avengers 5, then I think all bets are off. And then I think that's when they start introducing, okay, at the end of Avengers 5, because that movie's going to be huge as well, um, they'll start introducing, okay, like little nuggets, as Troy said, about Fantastic Four, about X-Men, but start seeding, planting those seeds in Avengers 5. So that way, when you get to Avengers six, it's like the, again another cultural event where it's your new Avengers team, which you've built up these last three years, and then these X Men, Fantastic Four, which you've built up from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty five, say, and then in twenty twenty six, boom, you combine both universes, and that's another three billion dollar movie. <laughs> so I think that's what they're gonna do, and of course, like in between, they'll they'll start seeding other characters. You know, I I love the idea, Troy. You said of just like little little seeds, little nuggets, just to like whet our appetite. Mm-hmm. You know, just like uh, animantiums discovered or something. Yeah, like that. man. Oh, right. Oh, right? Yeah, or like cool. they show yeah. old man Cap, and then like Logan walks by or something, and he's like, "Hey, didn't I fight with you in World War Two or something?" Like something yes. like that. Something to... like that, right? He has like a yeah. Canadian patch, and he's drinking Molson or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know. I, Man, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, you have this huge universe and then it doesn't even touch on Fantastic Four and X-Men. Yeah. And you could argue Fantastic Four and X-Men themselves should have been this huge universe. I mean, for a while there, it was. Yeah, it could have been. What could have been, right? I I mean, I would have loved to see those two team up if Fantastic Four was any good. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the main thing is, you know, you think about the X-Men. I want to see Wolverine. I want He's probably my favorite X-Men. He's probably everyone's favorite X-Men. And maybe one of those films will be Deadpool three. Yeah, you know Ryan I they Reynolds. Said Deadpool's going to stay where he is. Did yeah, they, did I, they these are the... pure MCU films, so this doesn't include what could potentially be another Deadpool film. Uh, okay. And they're also releasing New Mutants too. So I mean, that movie New Mutants has been kicked around more times than a soccer ball. It's coming out. Yeah, <laughs> they say it's coming out in twenty twenty. It's going to be the most hyped film. They started filming this like what three years ago with like teenagers and kids. Yeah. How are they going to do reshoots with someone who started off filming as twelve they're and not. now they're sixteen years old? <laughs> they didn't get <laughs> snapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I for me, what what this universe looks like. You know, we've laid out kind of the basic films. I think Captain Marvel two is inevitably going to go in there. For yeah. sure. This character, they can do the cosmic building with that. They can tie it into the Guardians or Asgardians of the Galaxy, but. With regards to this idea, you know, let's go back to long form storytelling. Yeah. I think the X-Men are part of that long form. Yeah. There's not going to be an X-Men film in the next, I would even say the next five years, it won't be an X-Men film. There will be some form of reference. They're going to use the snap as kind of the catalyst for a lot of things. The Mm -hmm. multiverse being one of them. The X-Men or the mutant gene could be a completely different one that they use that for. I think personally, the Fantastic Four, and they've had a lot of success with this in other films, Black Panther, Spider-Man, is teasing them in some other film without giving them their own film Mm -hmm. until they've established them as characters within the MCU. I wouldn't even be shocked if they find themselves 
as some sort of post credit scene with regards to the Baxter building. We see it being rebuilt yeah. in yes. a scene from that trailer. Oh, really? He swings by and you can see Avengers Tower being right, with the phone. That, that yeah. seems like a very odd reference. And this goes back to Mark's theory, Mark Godsev's theory, mm-hmm. about it yeah. being the whole idea of them wanting to study from Avengers 1, the portal and all this. It yes. makes sense oh, that that's the that. Baxter building. Yeah. So yeah. to me, that could be seated. That will be seated, at least in my opinion, within phase four here. The X-Men, more long form. This is going to take a lot of time to build to this. And so this goes to your point, Sanjay, about being something in the far-flung future. Um, they're not going to rush this, you know. Look at some of the, the stuff that they did in Endgame, how long they waited to say Avengers Assemble, how long they yeah. waited for a worthy Captain America, how long they waited to come and bring all this to a head, 22 films. You know, if I was a filmmaker, I would have said Avengers Assemble and Avengers 1. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, so the restraint that they've shown tells me that they're not going to rush these. They don't need the X-Men to prop up this universe. They have enough characters that they've established as their new foundational characters that can carry this forward. And I think in Phase 4, we're going to see a lot of of our already established characters building out their own franchises, but also having these nice ties between the ones that organically can connect guardians Mm. and captain Marvel, Spider-Man, maybe Ant-Man, you know, Spider-Man and maybe Dr. Strange, who knows what they're going to do in that space, but they're going to use the characters that they've established for this and see long form stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see the universe going, but we also have to think about Disney plus. Yeah. They're using this seemingly as some form of platform to tell potentially other world stories. Sanjay, last week you mentioned WandaVision. This is the title of the Wanda Maximoff Vision Disney Plus series, and it being set in 1950. Yeah. Now, I thought you were just BSing. I thought so too, if I'm (laughs) being honest here. That's been relatively confirmed. We've got another question here from Mark Godsiff, and him stating, you know, with Scarlet Witch and the Vision being reportedly set in 1950s, do you think that Marvel might nod towards House of M and have Scarlet Witch being about the mutant X gene and the such a creation and the mutants being created, sorry, from that eventually leading to the X-Men? A nice nod to House of M where she kind of wipes them out. You know, he really likes this idea and he'd love to know what we think about the mechanics of bringing the X-Men to the MCU. Now, do you think Wanda is that path? for the X-Men to the MCU? Is it the snap? What do you think this is all about here? WandaVision, set in the 50s, is a relation to, to, to the mutants here? Troy, what's, what's your kind of take on, on this question here and WandaVision? It's, it, it's a cool, you know, um, I don't think it's going to have anything to do with mutants, but I think it's inspired by mutants. And when I say that, I refer to FX's Legion. Um, that whole play on, you know, what's going on inside his head. And he's a very powerful character, kind of much like uh, Wanda here. I think this is going to be Marvel's answer to that series. I think it's two series, two seasons, and it's been received pretty well. I think they could potentially do something like that with Wanda. She's a pretty unstable character, but incredibly powerful. Um, I think that's what this movie or this movie, this film, <laughs> this show will roughly be. But I don't see them introducing mutants on a TV platform. No. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only reason why I take away from the mutant aspect. But like I said, I think it's inspired by mutant, that mutant being Legion's uh, hit show on FX. So that's that's where I sit with that show. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They're in an interesting situation because Vision didn't come back after Endgame. Yeah. Right. So he's still, for all we know, he's dead. 
So, you know, how are they going to resurrect him? Is it going to be more time travel? Maybe she has to go back to the 50s. And maybe it's not Paul Bettany's vision. Maybe it's Jarvis. We saw, you know, hints of Jarvis driving <laughs> around. Um, was it Howard Stark? Yeah, none game. And maybe she'll go back in time and fall in love with who Vision was based off of. I don't know. I mean, anything's on the table. But well, uh, they, sorry, no, sorry to cut you off, Sanjay. I was just wondering because you, you brought up a good point. Going back to the fifties, if they're not going to go with Paul Bettany's Vision, do you think they could go back more to the organic comic book storytelling, whereas in First Avengers, that timeline we do have um, the original Human Torch, which yeah. is Vision's based off of that one. Mm, yeah, the mechanics some of, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's a ni- it's a nice nod to the original vision here. But to me, look at the title, Wanda Vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's implied that yes, it is Vision, the character. But I'm seeing this more as a something that's inside of Wanda's exactly. head, oh, yeah. where she's crafted this universe inside of her head, or this reality inside of her head, if you will where her and Vision have this nice house. Maybe they'll have kids, because this goes back to the comic books, right? That yeah. They had kids and all this, but it was all in her head. Right. And this, again, goes to the idea of her teetering on the edge. Bendis used this character on again, off again, as a protagonist, antagonist, as being the cause and effect for certain things. And I think they might use this idea of that it's all in her head. They may not even explain it until, and you may, as an audience, watch this unfold. Mm-hmm. You may be like thrown off in the first episode where you're like, why is Vision back? Why is it set in the 50s? But it slowly unravels over the six episodes that it apparently is and tells a story about the, the decay of Scarlet Witch's mind and how she was so powerful in Endgame. But what happens when you take that power and it's unstable, uncontrollable, mm-hmm. and that builds to something even bigger? Like he says, yes. House of M, potentially, yeah. which again revolves around creating an alternate reality. Yeah. You know, so it, there's a lot of really cool stuff they can do there with with WandaVision. Now, some of the other shows that we're seeing, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, testing ground guys for Captain America and the Winter Soldier, potentially on the big screen. Falcon, new Captain America. Is it going to be a prequel story or is it going to be a go forward where he's carrying that shield, that mantle? Uh, I hope it's a prequel because I really want to see him holding the shield, taking over that mantle on the big screen. Yeah. I think his story deserves that. I think, you know, Falcons put in the time as the sidekick to become now Captain America. So I think it would be a disservice to the character if it's, if it's on streaming. I mean, that's just me. I know streaming is like the new cool thing and like all the young kids are doing it. But for me, (laughs) I think it deserves that giant screen treatment. Cause I would love to see Captain America four. You know, and just see, like, it's Falcon and Winter Soldier just ripping shit up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a testing grounds uh, for Anthony Mackie as a leading man for the big screen. So I think what they're going to do here, basically, it can't be a pre-goal because it just want to make sense. So I think this is going to take place after Endgame. Yeah, I agree. Um, when, when you watch Endgame, I, I do truly believe Bucky already knows Cap's decision. I feel like they talked about it already. And Bucky's going to be the one that kind of prepped Falcon just that much forward to being Captain America and it'll be cool because we'll, in a way, we'll kind of get like the old school Captain America and uh, Falcon. But yeah. in this way, it'll be reversed. It'll be Bucky and Falcon. But I think this is just going to be like the build up of Falcon becoming Captain America. And if it does pretty well, I'm pretty sure we will get him on the big screen as Cap. So that's I kind of where I sit with that. Fully agree with you there as a yeah. testing ground. Let's see how people react to Mackie. I think mm-hmm. it's going to go well. Mm-hmm. It'll yes. probably be a fairly tight story. 
Yeah. Um, but it's going to give that idea of what can we do in the future? Because right. realistically, in the absence, when you look at this film slate that we talked about, we're not seeing a cap story here, right? No. And this could be the, the setup for maybe walking into new Avengers, Avengers 5 yes. type thing, where Falcon takes the lead, but they've established the character here. And we have to remember, too, what they're doing in Disney+. Plus. It's not a disservice to the character to have it on a smaller platform because they're trying to drive so much to this platform that they need to have big stories, mm-hmm. impactful yeah. stories on this platform. And having Falcon, the first Captain America post-Evans, be on this platform that's gonna drop a lot of people to this look how many people oh, yeah. just saw this film yeah you know and they they want to see the follow-up to mm-hmm. this handoff of the shield the passing of the torch so i think i agree that's the way they're going with this yeah now the last disney plus series that we'll talk about here before quickly touching on the multiverse is this loki series we mm-hmm. speculated last week was that him rocketing off with the space zone into his disney plus series the multiverse <laughs> storytelling are we going to see a spinoff of multiverse stories where all bets are off? Loki's running around the universe doing some pretty cool stuff. I know we touched on this last week, but just quickly, Sanjay, do you think this Loki story on Disney Plus is going to be part of this expansion into the multiverse? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be kind of like Legends in Time or Legends of Tomorrow, where they just like go through different times and like different eras and different Earths in this one, and just like throw it all on the wall and just see like this Loki's such a he's a character that could fit anywhere. He's a chameleon, right? So mm-hmm. you could put him in like a Loki series, like an episode where he's in like I don't know. 1940s you know or and then you can put him in like the 1980s like loki going to like a disco or something like, i don't know <laughs> i i think it'd be cool i i think we're gonna see that yeah 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 i'm kind of there with you sunday I, I feel like we're gonna get something like that with like a cool like um like wonder years kind of flavor of him going back and explaining his his come up with thor you know yeah. always kind of having that rivalry between his brother because I thought they mentioned before that they've cast a kid. Yeah. So I feel like that's a big role going on. Who knows? We could even get like female Loki going on too because that's happened in the comics as well. But I feel like we're going to get some, you know, past 10 storytelling and then going forward past Endgame but split off in its own world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I feel about that whole story. Yeah, sure. I agree. This is going to be, I think, another testing ground for the audience's capability to accept multiverse storytelling. Um, that was done on purpose, the Loki thing. For oh, for sure. sure. Yeah. And I think releasing the constraints of the MCU gives them a bit more freedom in that space to tell a Loki story, a character that we all love and have grown to really adore in the past few films, especially coming off the back end of Ragnarok and Infinity War. But what that does for us is that introduces, as we've talked about in Far From Home, potentially this Loki series about MCU multiverse storytelling. Do you guys think that the multiverse, as long as it's kept with some constraints, do you think it can be successful in the MCU? Because it brings up questions, and you mentioned this, about stakes in the MCU. We just saw a huge impactful film which really established that stakes matter with the snap, with the death of Captain, or not death of Captain America, but the changing of Captain America's foregoing trajectory, giving Mm -hmm. him that fitting end, the death of Tony Stark, the death of Black Widow. Does this take that away where you can just say, yeah, we'll just go pluck Tony Stark out of Earth 527, bring him into the MCU, fix a few things, and then send him back? Do you think that this type of storytelling in the MCU will be accepted and how do you think it's going to unfold Troy yeah, comments man. on that one 
Ooh, that one's tough. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's the MCU. Uh, like I mentioned before, they kind of um, taught us the ways of this this world building, this this cinematic universe of how to watch these movies in order and whatnot have you, and, and to, to keep up with their film, their vision. So I feel like, yeah, they could do it, but I think they'd have to do it in doses. This isn't something where you could do, you know, release five films and all of them are taking place in different multiverses. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's kind of weird is if they were to go the multiverse uh, route, it would be really odd with the choice of characters they have right now. Um, Spider-Man's not really known. I mean, I know we have Spider-Verse, um, but, you know, when you think of, like, hopping realms in different worlds, you think of, like, a Doctor Strange, you think of the Fantastic Four, um, you think of maybe even, like, Iron Man doing some of those things. So with the characters we have present, with Captain Marvel and uh, some of the other big, like, Black Panther, it just wouldn't really make sense with that choice of characters to continue with this this multiverse. So I don't... No, I guess what I'm getting at is I just don't know if we're quite ready for lots of multiverse. Maybe one film, and mm. we'll see from there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tricky situation. In the comics, they talk about it all the time, right? You go in the multiverse, you you know, you have the Justice League fighting an evil version of the Justice League with the multiverse. And we, as comic readers, we accept it, and we read it, and we're like, yeah, that's really cool. General audiences, will they accept it? You know, if you asked me this 20 years ago, I would have said, hell no. Asked me this in 2019 after watching Endgame. I think maybe. Like, everything is on the table these days. So, you know, they haven't really had a film that's failed mm-hmm. since Incredible Hulk. Uh, and that's like a string of, like, what, 21 mega hits? Uh, hits and mega hits. So I, I could see them just doing it, you know? I think they have had that, like, cred, that, like, street cachet now where it's just like yeah, it's MCU is probably going to be good and they'll probably make a ton of money. So I could see them throwing it out there. And if it doesn't click, maybe they just drop it. Yeah. And they, yeah, that's and true. You look at the comic books, the, the biggest risk is that it becomes an absolute mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've seen this with the ultimate universe. We've seen yeah, this with the crisis. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah. So what I think will happen or what I want to happen, maybe is a better way to put this is the inclusion of the MCU multiverse, of course. But like you said, Troy, slow build. Yeah, exactly. It can't be all of a sudden we can do whatever we want and they have to establish rules within yes. the multiverse. Yeah. That is important. We saw that in Endgame, and yeah, they did step on some of them, but they set up a very clear rule that you can't change the past. You can't change the future. This mm-hmm. is a single linear time stream. What always happens happens. And as long as they're keeping within some sort of boundaries that they establish now, whether that's through exposition or through showing us, they have to maintain that. They can use this for a lot of good, but it can't be used as a scapegoat, as a way to get yes. out of things. Yeah. So it can't be just a pure plot device, and it can't be something that's used at convenience when they need it, mm-hmm. right? It can't be a MacGuffin in a film that's like, hey, multiverse, do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, we've got it, no problem. Yeah. It can't simplify issues and problems and stakes. So I think it's going to be a big part of the longer-form storytelling and bringing in different aspects and elements. And like you said, Sanjay, they can clamp this down right away, and they can say, yeah, multiverse closed off, we yeah. fixed it, big you know, Avengers five, Avengers six, whatever it's done. But Galactus snuck through in the, in the meantime, right? Yeah. Right. Here's the Microsoft patch that cleared it up. Exactly. So <laughs> I think it's going to be a part of the MCU, but not an extensive part. Yeah. We saw right. this heavily referenced in Spider-Man Far from home. There's some purpose to that. Mm-hmm. Get ready guys. It's coming, but yeah. it's not going to be the end all and be all of every single story that we're going to see. We're still, like you said, we're still going to see black Panther. 
probably never reference this. Yeah. Um, there's going to be films that lean on it more and lean on it less. So yeah, Multiverse Guys is coming, but hopefully, and again, utmost confidence in Kevin Feige and that, that long form, that planning, that storytelling that they've executed so well to this point that they're going to use this in a capacity that it benefits the universe and doesn't detract from it. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, when we look at the MCU as a whole here, there is a lot going on. There's a lot of films to come. Avengers 5 is going to be a thing multiverse storytelling disney plus storytelling we're getting more and more of this and i want to consume it all so we've been exciting few years here in the mcu and then you add in star wars and dc what's going on guys we're going to be at this podcast thing for literally ever keeps giving us content to talk about (laughs) which is nice it is awesome stuff so with all that being said guys it's time to wrap this episode up we had a lot to talk about here coming off the back of endgame and what this means and the implications for the universe and what we're seeing in the mcu go forward i hope you guys have had a lot of fun listening us talk about that as well as the spider-man far from home trailer and if you'd like to have input into any of this you can always email us at the nerd room at gmail.com you can hit us up on twitter hashtag twitter gang our handles are also at the end of the episode you can find everything we do on the nerdroom.net as well as starwarscommonwealth.com where you can also find all of the other star wars commonwealth podcasts in this network that are covering and doing some great content building within the star wars community itself and as always we had to give a big shout out to our man rob wade who endorses this podcast over emotionally14.com so make sure to go check out everything that he and all the other endorsed podcasts do over there on emotionally14.com all right guys it is late we are all exhausted it is time to sign off for this week but we will be back next week talking all things star wars marvel and dc so until then ladies and gentlemen for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy and i'm tim (laughs) it is he is tired (laughs) and thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Tattooing Sons, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.